Fear not. Do not be afraid. Those are words that appear throughout Scripture. There are different people that will give you different figures for how many times because sometimes you have exactly those words and sometimes you have the equivalent. The the spirit of those words is present even if those words are not. Research has been done that's found I think 145 different times fear not or do not be afraid are spoken to people by God in some form or fashion in the Bible. Um, The sentiment has been identified at least 365 times, which people have noted the significance of that, because there are 365 days in a year. And there's not a day of our life when we don't need to hear someone say to us, do not be afraid. There are things that we have good reason to be afraid. Perhaps it's of sickness. Perhaps it's of danger. Harm that could be inflicted on us by others. There are so many reasons for which we could be legitimately afraid. And yet the voice of the Lord throughout the ages is fear not. Why would He tell us such a thing? And in fact, why did on that first Christmas night the angel appear to shepherds and pierce the the silence of that night and its darkness with those very words? I'll read them from the Gospel according to Luke and the second chapter. Shepherds were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Why? The angel communicates a message that we have just sung, a message that people have sung and spoken down through the ages, two millennia of people, in fact, have said and sung good news of great joy, which is for all people. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day. Now, uh, you might have had some old shepherd out in the fields who was wondering, oh, I didn't know my wife was pregnant. Unto me is born this day. Unto you is born this day. Because the birth of Jesus is, is not just for Joseph and Mary, it's for all of us. It's good news of great joy, as he says, which is for you, for all the people. Verse 11 of that chapter says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. A few years ago, there was a a, a survey of 1,000 children aged 5 to 12 up at the the Brick Cross Shopping Center. And uh, multiple choices were given for the question, who is Jesus? And would you believe it, but 20% of people said he was a footballer for Chelsea. And there were some who said he was an X-Factor contestant. 
There were some who said, oh, maybe he's an astronaut. And, you know, there might have been a time when people really didn't know, uh, uh, you know, well, who knew who Jesus was. might be a bit silly and, hey, you know, okay, I'm, I know who he is, but... Ah, oh, go on. He's a, he's a Chelsea footballer, isn't he? Just to be a bit silly. But this was quite sincere guesswork. Or maybe the only Jesus they'd ever known or heard of. And children aren't the only ones who have Jesus wrong. I, I once read an article in which the author referred to Jesus quite simply as just another bloke. Oh, admittedly, a very nice one. And then, of course, we, we can spare a thought for those immigrants for whom English is down the list of languages that they speak. There are, sometimes, I've met people like this, their first and most consistent exposure to the name of Christ was at television and the movies. And it's not that suddenly TV and movies have been baptized and suddenly it's all Christian content. Rather, um, they've, they've heard the name of Jesus or of Christ used as an expression of surprise or disgust, or anger. In other words, not really a name filled with good news of great joy. But the readings that we've had and the songs that we have sung communicate something quite different. Three things. Jesus is Savior. And to say that Jesus is Savior is to address the problem of our self-righteousness. Because it tells us that we need saving. It tells us that we have thought things, said things, done things that are wrong in the eyes of God. Things that separate us from right relationship with God and harm our relationship with each other. Jesus is Savior. He frees us from that. He saves us from our sins, from ourselves, from our self-righteousness. This attitude that I can save myself, I can repair my relationships, I can even bridge the divide between me and God. A relationship that is non-existent for some of us, perhaps. I, I, can, I can wing it on my own. Well, to say that Jesus is Savior is to say that, no, I, I need saving, I can't save myself. And, and I know that sometimes, and I must speak uh, generally as a pastor on behalf of other pastors, I hope you never sense from me, whatever you get from me, self-righteousness, that I, I think I'm better than anyone or anything else. And I, I trust, I hope that on a Sunday if you're walking by or if you're in the room or wherever, that the people sitting next to you, you never get that vibe that, they're, that they're, they're be- they think they're better than me. That's wrong. That's the opposite of the message of Jesus. Which says, no, we're all broken. We're all messed up. We all have problems. We're real people. But Jesus is Savior. Not only is He Savior, but it says that that He is Christ. And to say that that Jesus is Christ is to to address not the problem of our self-righteousness so much as the problem of our self-loathing. Because if you're anything like me, once your self-righteousness is addressed and someone starts talking to you about your your sins or your various problems or things like that, then um, you start feeling a bit bad. I do at least. Okay, so I can't save myself. Why? What do I need saving from? Again, those things I've thought, said, and done that break my relationships and, and hinder my, the, the greatest of relationships with, with, with God. So what do I do? 
I feel helpless and I feel sad and I feel depressed because I mess things up all the time. Does anyone here have a problem with self-loathing? A bit of, you know, self-inflicted depression in some ways. When you think about what's wrong in yourself. And woe betide the person who actually points out what you're already thinking because, again, if you're anything like me and someone says something that you already know is true about yourself but they actually verbalize it, then it's like, ah, you know, how dare you? Because we, we know it's true and we feel it in our hearts. But to say Jesus is, is Christ is to address that. Why? Because, well, Christ isn't Jesus' second name. It's not like His surname. It's a title. And Christ means anointed one of God. You see, in, in, in those days they would pour... It's an ancient symbol of, of, of God's hand and power on a person, a great person. So a prophet would have oil poured on their head. A priest would have oil poured on their head. A king would have oil poured on their head. And they, they would anoint that person and they would say, you, you are the prophet of God. You are the priest to offer sacrifice for our sins. You are the king to reign over us. And to say Jesus is Christ is to say He is the ultimate anointed one. No one else needs to be anointed after Him really in the same sense. He is the great prophet, the great priest, and the great king. And why does that address my self-loathing? Well, it tells me that God, regardless of the, the grief I've inflicted on Him with my misbehaviors and rebellions, God loves me. And God loves you enough to send the ultimate anointed one, the great prophet, priest, and king for you. To send a Messiah. To send a king. To fight our battles. To fight for us. That's good news. Of great joy. And finally, the angel said, fear not, because Jesus is Lord. He said, a Savior is born to you this day who is Christ the Lord. And that addresses the problem of our selfishness. It's harder for many to stomach because we push back against the notion of anyone or anything being Lord. Yeah? So I mean, even, even if we comply with all the, the guidelines and things, and increasingly fewer people are doing that as time passes, why? Because there's something in our spirit that pushes back against authority. No one's Lord of me. No one's going to reign over me. To say Jesus is Lord, though, is, is yes, to say that there is one higher than us. There is a name above all names. There is a Creator and we are the Creator's creation. It offends our rebellious impulses. We, we push back against authority, but to say Jesus is Lord is to say there's an authority over us. But my, friends, it, it's not just that He addresses that in His title, by right. But Jesus addresses our selfishness by His example. I read earlier from Philippians, which said, though He was in the form of God, He emptied Himself. Made Himself nothing. Though He's Lord of all, He became a servant for you and me. And that's good news. To say Jesus is Lord is to say that He's the best, the greatest, 
more than any just good person or moral teacher. And the, the good news is not just that Jesus is the Savior who is Christ the Lord, it's that He's for you. To you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so the angels sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. As in any great drama, the context is established. A weary world, cloaked in darkness, ruled by empire-building tyrants, governed by corrupt officials, abused by deeply hypocritical religious legalists, oppressed by demons, enslaved to sin, fear, and death. But in the Christmas story, we see the Creator of light, forever dwelling in unapproachable light, and eternally radiating the glory of that light, step into the darkness. Forever enrobed in glory, now in humanity enfleshed, Jesus, King and Savior, to bring the weary rest. That's the Christ of Christmas. When we celebrate Him, we celebrate the mission of God to save lost, wayward people who in belief and behavior have rebelled against Him and His good design for universal flourishing. When we trust in Him, we lay aside our self-righteousness because He's Savior. We lay aside our self-loathing because He's Christ. We lay aside our selfishness because He's Lord. And we find that Jesus makes us righteous and just and good. He lifts us out of our loathing and He encourages us to share what we have to give generously of our lives for others. That's good news. And I hope that this Christmas, whatever festivities we enjoy, whatever warm sentiments of the season that we partake in, we never forget there's good news of great joy that fuels our celebration. A Savior who is Christ the Lord is given to us. Amen.